Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning again. This is the second hour on this Monday of Holy Week. I am hoping that you had the opportunity to spend some time on Palm Sunday in the Word of God, in passages of Scripture related to the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. Palm fronds laid on the ground, um, people crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, Hosanna means to save or savior, um, heal or healer. Jesus clearly being declared as the one who comes um, as a king riding on a donkey. And so the uh, the imagery was, uh, you could not have been missed. Like it just could not have been missed by the Jews. And it's it also could not have been missed by the Romans in terms of um, Jesus appearing to be the one who the Jews were hailing as their king. So, um, uh, let me encourage you this week in the lead up to uh, Easter to not only spend time in the Word of God, but find some ways to share the story of the Passion of the Christ with somebody else. And I would say that the first season of The Chosen, which you can now you can now stream for free on lots of different platforms this week because season two, uh, the first uh, episode of that drops this coming Sunday on Easter Sunday. And so there's lots of places where you can stream The Chosen for free this week, season one, um, that would be a great way to share the gospel or the good news of Jesus anyway. Like, right. Okay. So it's not going to take you, season one doesn't take you all the way to the cross. That's not what it's about. Um, but it, it'll, it will introduce your friends, your neighbors, your kids to, um, to Jesus in a way that in my experience, we haven't experienced, we have not uh, been exposed to until this particular, um, program. So, um, it's free, and I just encourage you, if you have not already, avail yourself of the opportunities to watch that particular uh, series this week. Um, so, um, the power of forgiveness. I uh, I want to just say, when you see things referenced in headlines, like the word forgiveness, I want you to read what, what is written there. Because forgiveness is something that Christians know something about, and we know the source of it, we know uh, the impact and power of it. And so I was surprised to see in the Los Angeles Times an op-ed entitled Forgiveness in an Age of Cancel Culture. Um, and it is absolutely worth your read. Um, and it is it will give you fodder not only for your own conversations today, it will give you fodder for conversations with others. It's written by Michael Roth. He is the president of Wesleyan University. Um, and it is it is about how he has asked students about their experiences of forgiveness or to tell him stories about when they either experienced forgiveness, offered it to someone else, or withheld it. And then this conversation about um, the need for it. And we do. We need forgiveness, not only um, between 
between ourselves and God, like, right, a, a restored relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit. But we also need forgiveness um, in our human relationships. And so that is um, a great conversation for this week as well, because why is it that Jesus died? In order that we might be forgiven. The power of forgiveness is undeniable, and this is a good week to talk about it. All right, Dr. Linda Mental joins me next. She and I are going to talk about helping your children embrace the Christian faith. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Dr. Linda Mental. You can find her at drlindamental.com. You can also listen to her right here on the Faith Radio Network, streaming online at myfaithradio.com and on the Faith Radio app uh, at the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Linda, welcome back. Hey, it's good to uh, talk to you during this Holy Week. I just want to say this was a unique experience for me holding my cup of coffee instead of my palm branch this year as I'm watching the service online. So I'm so ready to uh, get back into the church and and do the things that are really important, not just from a tradition's point of view, but they really bring meaning uh, to the events that we're celebrating, especially when it comes to Easter. It's like my favorite holiday of the year. And, um, you know, this, this pandemic has made it quite challenging. But hey, Carmen, I wanted to say something about the forgiveness uh, piece that you just talked about. Um, it's interesting. There, the psychology has been has discovered forgiveness in just really recent years. I have a friend at the University of Maryland who is a Christian, who is a uh, a really great um, professor, and uh, has been studying the area of forgiveness for years. And about I would say about fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, he could not get anything published in a a refereed journal on forgiveness because the academy just wouldn't let anything like that in. But that has really shifted as people have started to recognize that forgiveness is really tied to psychological well-being and a person's ability to have a a peaceful or a contentment in their life. So uh, that research is taking off. And actually, I have we are partnering. I'm partnering with one of my uh, guru researchers here at, at my university with uh, the leading researcher in the country who's at University of Wisconsin, Dr. Robert Enright, been reading his stuff for years. And we're actually going to do a study where we're going to teach students. We're going to do a pre-test and then we're going to look at where they are with forgiveness and we're going to do an actual forgiveness intervention where we teach them a forgiveness, uh, a thing to do with forgiveness and agape love, and then do a post-test on that to see if it's made a difference in terms of a number of measures. Will it take down anxiety? Will it take down depression? Will it? Will it? Ha- will they have better well-being scores? So the power of forgiveness is so incredible. And now what we're going to do is just going to do another study to show that power. Uh, anything that the gospel says is going to give power in your life and is going to help you lead a better life. We know that the research is going to support that. So it's been an interesting journey how that has really started to come to the front line in uh, in psychology and other fields like that, where it wasn't for years and years and years. Uh, it, it's Isn't it great to be able to enter into research, you know, our, I mean, knowing in advance, not knowing in advance the particular and specific outcomes of each question that you're going to ask, but knowing in advance 
that the peach that the peace which passes all understanding, um, which comes in in the person of Christ and the Spirit of God indwelling us, um, that that's uh, um, that's going to prove itself out. Like we don't have to be afraid to ask real scientific questions and do real scientific research. Um, and ask hard questions because God, you know, God is ultimately good and he's going to prove himself out. That's right. And we should be compelled to do this kind of research because it's only going to prove what God has set up in the design. And it does speak to uh, the topic that we're, we were going to talk about today, which is about helping our kids with faith. Because when you have a bunch of people that are walking around with resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart, uh, it creates a lot of mental health problems, and it really is something, forgiveness is really something that does help you in life with your relationships and, you know, with with having a, what you call a successful life. And I don't mean that just in materialism, but I mean in terms of, of living your life. So as the culture continues to marginalize all things Christian, you know, one of the things that, that we are seeing is that they're losing the benefit of so many things in the Christian faith that actually help people be better people. And that's the really bad part of this. All right, let's um let's stay on that topic um in terms of how do we how do we help our kids um embrace the faith that we that we possess. Um talk us through this. Well, I was I was really shocked. I was writing a blog on this and we did a radio show on that. So if anyone wants to listen to myfaithradio.com, go to the show, you can listen to it, but I was so surprised when I looked at the Barna survey on young adults because I, I work with young adults because I'm at a university. And so when it when I read that one percent, one percent of young adults in our country have a biblical worldview. And then when I read that it was less than one percent between the ages of 18 and 23, I was a bit surprised. I knew the numbers would be low because I had read the the book by Kinnaman um, and um, what's the other guy's name? Mark. Oh, it's, it's, but it was the faith book, the faith in exiles book. Mark, Mark Matlock. I, yes. Thank you. I was just blocking mm-hmm. on his name. That's all right. Um, and I read that book, you know, and it was, it was talking about how, you know, uh, all these kids who fall away from the faith, even though they were raised in the church. And so I knew, I knew there was a problem. I know there's a problem. I have young adults and I listened to their friends who went to Christian schools and now are not doing anything in the church. They're not involved. They're, they're just very apathetic about their faith or they have no faith anymore. It's a whole area that people are looking at called deconversion and what happens. And, but I was really shocked at the 1% that have a biblical worldview but it explains a lot. It explains why the younger generation doesn't get upset with a lot of the things that happen in the culture that are violently opposed to Christianity. And it explains to me that so many young people lack a, if they lack a biblical worldview, they certainly don't have an apologetic for their faith. So that when they encounter things that are opposed to the the, the Bible, they really don't have a way to talk about it or think about it or actually give an apologetic for it. So they accept it as if it's okay because they're not critically thinking about it. So this is, this is very concerning. Um, it's very concerning for me. It's a burden I have in my heart for young people um, because I know that the next generation is going to be our next generation of leaders. And I really feel like we've got to help them, but you have to do a root analysis of how do we get here and what are the factors involved? And then how do we fix those factors? 
I'm talking with Dr. Linda Mental. You can read the articles that we are discussing today at drlindamental.com, and we'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find her at drlindamental.com and the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, Linda, let's actually answer the question, so what can parents do? Um, you, we've talked about uh, how few young people, young adults, share a biblical worldview. And so what can parents do? So if we think about the number of hours that kids spend uh, in school, well, even if they're online now, but just typically how many hours they're in school, they're hearing voices from other people who are not believers who are presenting a very secular, humanistic view of life. And then we think about all the hours that kids are on screens and how involved they are in media and social media. And again, those voices are not going to be the biblically-based voices in the most part, right? So one of the things that behooves us as parents is we have to continuously be talking about what is happening in everyday life from a biblical worldview. And this is one of the things that I was encouraging parents in our youth group when we were, when my kids were in youth group. It was like, you can't just give them Bible verses and tell them to be good. And then, you know, what we typically do is give them a lot of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that, da, da, da. You have to engage the culture. So when something comes up, when they're watching a show and they they see a storyline and, you know, I would talk about cohabitation because it's just, it's just, rampant on any kind of media. It's accepted. It's like people cohabitate all the time. And the church doesn't talk about that. I have not heard one sermon in my church about couples living together before they're married. And yet we know that's a biblical problem. Um, So you have to engage the culture. So we would be watching a television show and I'd stop, stop because you can pause TV now. And I would ask my kids, you know, what do you think about that line? How does that line up with scripture? What's going to happen when people engage in that type of behavior? Does it help them flourish? Are you seeing the consequences of that behavior? No, you're not seeing the consequences of that behavior. They always make it look fun and shiny and wonderful and great. But then as a therapist who works with people in their brokenness, I can tell my kids authentically that this does not go well in the long run. Um, People cannot hook up constantly and not have feelings of jealousy and not have STIs, which is sexually transmitted infections and all kinds of other things that you never see on 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 the screen. And so if we don't engage our kids like this and we don't help them think critically, why would God then set up the idea that sex is reserved for uh, a marriage? Why did God do that? Was he just out of touch? Was he, you know, the things that they're hearing in the culture? I'm not blaming parents for when kids leave the faith, but I think in the, and I want to be really careful about that because there are so many competing voices when they get out of your home. But I do think you have to do the basic work and you have to be able to take an issue. I used to take songs, popular songs, and I would I would ask the youth leader if I could come in and I could just talk about the lyrics of the song. And when I would read those lyrics, those kids would be so embarrassed. But you know what? Every kid knew that song and every kid was singing that song. So we would talk about the lyrics of those songs. And then I would say, you know, how do these constant messages impact you if you're not reading the word and you're not in some type of discipling? And that's my second point um, that I really think we have to look at a root analysis of is there are just too many youth groups that were entertaining kids and making it just like a fun and entertaining experience 
and we're not discipling our kids in the Word of God. And so youth groups really need to start making some changes. And I think if you're a parent, you should go to a youth group once in a while. You should drop in. I did that to the, you know, to the rolling eyes of my kids, but I did it. And I went in there to see what are they talking about? What are they doing? Are they engaging the issues that are facing them? Is this a safe place to talk about things? One of the things you really have to allow kids to do is question and say, but I don't really understand why the culture says this and why the Bible says this. And you really have to help them think through uh, all of this. I think that the third thing is you really need to pray. And it is a it is a spiritual battle. We all know that, but we don't necessarily always take that um, you know, really as serious as it is. We are battling forces, principalities and powers, as the as the scripture says. And sometimes when I get so angry at some of the things that are said in the culture, I have to switch my anger to the principalities and powers because that's what's behind it and pray against that and then equip ourselves as parents with the armor of God and teach our kids how to fight with spiritual weapons, um, not just in the, the natural, how to maybe give a good answer or speak the truth in love and all those things that are important. But I do think we also have to teach them how to pray in those situations and understand that God is more powerful. He's greater than anything. And even when you're in a tight spot, God can give you a word. He can give you um, the way to behave and to go forward and help them. And one of the ways you do that, Carmen, is you have to stay really in tune with your kids. And, you know, before the pandemic, I was really concerned about how busy parents were you know, and Sunday mornings, a lot of my friends were taking their kids to soccer games and not going to church and, you know, just organized around so much busyness. And maybe one of the things that has happened with the pandemic is we'll slow down a little bit. We'll spend more time together as families because you need to understand where your kids are, what their emotional needs are. You need to be a voice in that relationship because if they don't talk to you, they're talking to somebody else. And who knows who they're talking to and who knows what their worldview is when they're talking to them. So I think that is a really important one as well. Yeah, somebody is catechizing your kids and and you and I are being catechized right now. And so what are yeah. we reading? Who are we? The vo- What are the voices we're listening to? What are the conversations that we are having? What are we contributing to those conversations? Um, so, uh, here you go, Linda, here will be something that you can, um, talk about with students and, um, and your kids and others. We weren't upset when, um, a company out there took a Nike sneaker and, uh, adapted it by putting water in the sole and, uh, called it the Jesus shoe where you could walk on water from the Jordan river. But now we're all outraged that that same company has also released a pair of modified Nike Air Max 97s called the Satan Shoe, uh, and um, the, in which there is apparently <clears throat> human blood. So um, uh, I just got to say, like, there's stuff going on out there. When you say Satan is real and yep. there is a real contest for the hearts and minds of our kids, um, yeah, right down to the shoes, right down to the shoes. Yeah. There you go. And we got we to gotta have some courage and we got to get our kids prepared for this. And there are a lot of people who are saying it's going to get darker. It's going to get more difficult. And I think the uh, ORU article in USA Today where they blasted the team for biblical based education. Oh. I yeah. think that's just 
the beginning of this type of terror that's going to start raining on Christians. And, you know, I I know we have to be humble and we need to be Christ-like in our responses, but we also have to have courage to stand when things are not right. Don't do it angry. Don't go on Twitter and just blast people and be nasty, but stand. And I think we should call it out. I think we should say that's hate speech. That is discrimination against my religious freedom. And again, not in a mean way, but we're going to have to teach our kids to stand and have courage. And if we don't do it as adults and they don't see us, they don't see the church doing it. And we've had a lot of problems in the church recently with leaders who have been acting out and not, you know, again, it makes hypocrisy. It gives cynicism to kids. You're going to have to talk those situations through with your kids and say, look, we can't go by the people who fall by the wayside. Uh, Use the parables of Jesus to talk about that where the roots aren't deep and say, you are responsible for you and you're going to have to have courage moving forward. I pray for my young adults. I have, you know, young adults in their 20s and it's getting harder and harder for them to stand against things because they're the very big minority in a lot of cases. But yeah. do the work you can and don't be. And again, I don't want to blame parents because parents can do a phenomenal job with their kids. They get out into the culture. They don't attend church. They don't have Christian friends. They don't have people at their work who are Christians who are talking to them with a different worldview and they can lose their way. So this yeah. is not about blame, but we can do the things that we can do to change the things we can change. Well, and it's not too late. It's not too late. That's However right. old your kids are, it's not too late. All right. Uh, we got to leave it right there. Dr. Linda Mental, thank you so very much. You can find her at drlindamental.com. We got to take a break for Breakpoint. All right, the Strong Women Podcast. I'm definitely checking that out. Next up, my conversation with Kurt Willems. He's the author of Echoing Hope, How the Humanity of Jesus Redeems Our Pain. This is Max Licato. There is a correlation between the way you feel about yourself and the way you feel about others. If you are at peace with yourself, you will get along with others. The converse is also true. If you don't like yourself, if you're ashamed, embarrassed, or angry, Other people are going to know it unless the cycle is interrupted, which takes us to one of the kindest verses in the Bible. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Accept my teachings and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your lives. Come to me, the verse reads, let Christ be kind to you. And as you do, you'll find it easier to be kind to others. This is Max Lucado. Really fun to uh, introduce you today to pastor and author Kurt Willems. He is a church planter. He's a writer. He's the host of the Theology Curator podcast, And he's joining us today to talk about his brand new book, Echoing Hope. Kurt, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Tell people a little bit about your ministry context and and really why, what's the need you're seeking to address in Echoing Hope? Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. You know, when I started drafting this book, originally it was going to be all about the humanity of Jesus. I, I'm fascinated by the fact that God became human. And what I realized as I got feedback on initial draft ideas was that, 
the humanity of Jesus is very compelling for how we live our lives, and we can talk about that. But what what is it about Jesus's humanity that connects to our real needs in life? And what I discovered as I sat with that and prayed, it's pain. Pain is what Jesus and you and I have in common in a very clear and unique way. Jesus didn't get to whisk away pain, but Jesus stepped into it courageously and, of course, came out the other side resurrected. And so as I sit with people in my community, as I sit with people who I um, get to be a part of their lives by extension through writing online and these sorts of things, pain is a subject that keeps coming up and it's been a part of my story. And so I, I decided to really lean into that impulse and say, what if Jesus shows us something about how to live in a pain-filled world? Yeah, I think that in terms of helping us sit and pause and wonder at how a God, uh, how God in all of his immensity, which is completely beyond my ability of my small mind to even begin to comprehend, how God mm. could condescend into the reality of a human life and enjoy it. Like yeah. Jesus walking around embodied, like, loved it, like loved being mm -hmm. here, loved people, and yes, stepped into a pain-filled world and thereby demonstrates to us how we can go and do likewise. That seems to be sort of where you are seeking to take us in Echoing Hope. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is confounding, right? When you when you think about human life and you think about the invitation, we call it discipleship often, you know, and we we talk about becoming more like Jesus. Well, what we often forget is that Jesus is the perfect image bearer of God. And so we're often we're like our humanity is a limitation. Our humanity holds us back from the life Jesus wants for us. In fact, it's beyond it's by becoming more human like Jesus, more um, of a disciple of Jesus, that we actually discover that um, there is a God who, you know, ultimately um, had to show us the best way possible for being a human being in this world. And so I'm really inspired by that, that God would, um, yes, come down to our level and then say, let me show you how to do this thing. You can do more than you think you can. Follow me. Yeah, that is tremendous, right? I like how you say, you know, it's not just that Jesus became human, um, but we can become human like Jesus. Like that is, you could just sit there for a while and think about that. Um, yeah. Uh, and that is just a really great invitation. All right. I am talking with Kurt Willems. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Kurt Willems. Uh, you can also find him at Echoing Hope. Dot com. We're talking about his new book, which is Echoing Hope. I want to talk about those two words. I want to talk about uh, an echo. I think about, you know, like the way you might stand at a big cavern um, or in a cave mm. and you might call out and what's going to come back is your own voice. When you use the word echo and you're talking about an echo here, what is it that what's the voice I'm listening for? Yeah, that's so good. You know, the the metaphor that I ended up being just compelled by as I wrote this book was this idea of 
Well, you think about Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of John, and she's weeping because Jesus's body is missing. And I can just imagine the empty tomb of Jesus. It's kind of a cave-like structure and being close enough to, to hear your own voice come back at you. And you're, you're expecting, of course, to lay flowers at the graveside. But no, the grave is open. And in that moment, Mary Magdalene does not quite realize that Jesus is resurrected. Jesus is gone for all she knows. And so there's this echo of despair, this echo of what if. And yet what we find out as the story unfolds is there is a deep, profound echo of hope because the reason that grave is empty is because Jesus has stepped out of it. Yeah, I'm thinking that, you know, if if you were to wail, cry in desperation at the mouth of the empty tomb, I mean, what is going to echo back to you is going to be the power of God under resurrection. And that is the substance of our hope. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hope's a big word. You know, I, I talk about in the book how hope is a word that is temporary. When Jesus comes back to renew all things and the new creation and all of that stuff, we won't need hope anymore because our hope has been fulfilled. Hope naturally means that something is wrong in the world, but that there is a God who can make, can move heaven and earth to make it right again. That's so good. That's so good. All right. I am talking with Kurt Willems. We are talking about his new book, Echoing Hope. Um, If you are interested in entering the drawing for the copies we have available today, you know the drill. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can find more information about Kurt and the book at echoinghope.com. We're going to take a very brief break, and then we'll be right back. Continuing my conversation now with uh, with pastor and author Kurt Willems. You can find him at echoinghope.com and more about the book we're talking about today. Um, let's talk about um, the root of hope and uh, like it's hope that roots us. You talk about that and then you also talk about hope that propels us. Because can you talk about those two different, those seem very different, that I would be rooted in mm. hope and I would also be propelled by hope. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, the, the title of the book is Echoing Hope, and you can really take that in two different directions, right? So Echoing Hope is like the hope that echoes from the empty tomb 2,000 years later that roots us in the way of Jesus. There, There is something that happened. A grave is empty, and someday— our graves will be empty too, you know, and that that is this beautiful hope that in the midst of pain, we can step into the world differently. So there's that kind of sense of rootedness to echoing hope. And then there's echoing hope as an invitation, a calling, a step forward. It's our vocation in the world. Jesus doesn't just offer us hope so that we can fix our lives and we can become good people or whatever people might want to say about that, which those things are good, but it's always connected to his larger mission to reclaim everything that has been broken, to redeem everything that is broken. And so we have this 
ongoing invitation to become like Jesus so that we can bear God's image more um, more accurately, maybe we would say, just better into the world. And as we do that, of course, we're able to echo hope and bring human love and joy and peace to places where all we see is darkness and pain and suffering. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Jesus. He doesn't just come into our lives and start to make us new, but says, now you go do the things that I'm doing in your life. Go make things new. So you have some interesting and curious people saying nice things about your book. So I'm kind of hoping that, um, like, do you know Ben Higgins? I do. I do okay. know Ben Higgins. So, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, okay, so this is somebody who, like, as I read through, like, okay, who commented, who said nice things about this book? Sometimes I yeah. come across a name and I'm like, I don't actually know who that is. But then it says, all right, he was the star of ABC's The Bachelor in season 20, which means that some mm-hmm. of my listeners are going to be like, oh, Ben Higgins. And then he's the founder of Generous Coffee and he's an author. Okay. I know none of these things. So why do I bring this up? Because sometimes it helps us see an author through the lens of their friends or their colleagues or those who would, you know, have read the book and would be commenting on it. So if I were sitting down with Ben Higgins at Generous Coffee, well, first of all, could I sit down at Generous Coffee or is it just a product? Is it a place or just a product? You know, they have a couple of storefronts, but mostly it's a it's kind of like a Tom Shoe sort of venture, oh, right? Cool. You, you buy coffee and then they invest in humanitarian causes. So it's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, so it's a both end. So yes, you okay. can totally. And is he a Seattle down. person? Is he up there in the fog with you? Uh, no, no, we hung out in Seattle about a year ago, but no, he is uh, down in Denver most of the time. Okay, so um, if I were going to then sit down with him over a cup of coffee. What would he tell me about you that you would be reticent to tell me about yourself? Ooh, that's a great question. So, you know, Ben and I have been um, friends for about almost two years now. We believe it or not, for people who are like, how does he know him? You know, so, yeah, Ben is this public figure, does a Hollywood thing, you know, and um, I was <laughs> I was watching The Bachelor in 2016 with my wife, and I didn't always watch it back then. And there's things that are, you know, challenging to say the least about our Christian <laughs> worldview in that environment. So I, I, so I don't want anyone to hear this like, oh, he has no morals or whatever. But but the entertainment value depends on where you're at, you know, and the season, I suppose. Oh, hey, but, our listeners uh, watch all kinds of things. Don't worry. Oh, about yeah. That. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, 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 yeah. Let's be real. Let's just be real. Right. So so uh, I'm watching this and I'm like, I think this guy's a Christian. Like, I just knew like I had this instinct. So I followed him on Twitter and he followed me back out of the blue and he didn't follow many people. So I was like, oh, cool. And so we we engaged for several years just on Twitter. And then when this book was coming up, I said, hey, man. I'm about to put a proposal in for my first book. Would you be interested in reading it and consider giving it an endorsement? And he sent me his his, uh, phone number and said, dude, let's just become friends, like real friends. And so we did. And, um, you know, what has been amazing about our friendship is that we're actually on the writing journey at the same time. He just released his first book. Uh, It's called Alone in Plain Sight, which is excellent. And, you know, what's been really neat, he's about a month ahead of me in the journey, but he's also this like big public figure. And so I went to him early on and said, Ben, I, man, 
I, I'm about to put some very vulnerable material into the world. And I know you've done that. Talk to me mm. about it. And he just encouraged me and said, Kurt, what I've discovered after really struggling with this for some time is that vulnerability can be a place of strength and it's a gift to whoever happens to encounter you. Mm. And so I think what Ben would tell you is that in our conversations, he's been a voice of it's okay to let your guard down. It's okay to be vulnerable here. And Hey man, this isn't where your identity is rooted. You know, those reminders a couple of days ago, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm worried, man. Like what if no one reads the book? or they hate the book. And he's just like, Hey, the book's going to come out on March 16th. And let me tell you the honest truth. It's going to basically feel like another day. Don't get tied up in the identity <laughs> games. <laughs> right. So what he's, totally friend, right. You know? he's totally right. He's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, having, absolutely. As a person who has authored a book, um, there is no question that is exactly true. The day will come. Hmm. The day will go. It will feel like another day. It'll be a little bit different. But, um, yeah, yeah. The, and then the day after the book launch, you'll be like, huh, I launched a book. There you go. And then, mm -hmm. you know, people will be saying, okay, now you've said this, what are you going to say next? It's, it's amazing <laughs> how, how, how quickly the appetite for the next thing, um, comes upon us. Uh, again, I am talking with Kurt Willems. We are talking about his brand new book, Echoing Hope. You can find it at echoinghope.com. But I've got copies to give away today. So go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'd love to put the book in your hands, particularly if you're somebody who um, is wondering, how do you sort of walk the reality of the hope of Christ out into a pain-filled world? I think that's really who I would say um, I want to put the book in the hands of a person who recognizes that the world is pain-filled and wants to walk out into it, not just in the name of Jesus, but as Jesus, in, in the humanity mm. in which Christ also walked. Um, well, we want to encourage you in uh, in what you're doing um, in your ministry and certainly in your writing. So what's going on in ministry these days? Yeah. Wow. You know, it's it's interesting. So we were um, sent here about seven and a half years ago and we planted a small kind of um, community church. And it's it's been interesting because here we're in Seattle. And so the culture around here is, you know, let's keep our distance until this thing passes. I mean, that's really sure. kind of the norm. I know it's different elsewhere. And I respect that. And so we've, we've done the zoom thing quite a bit, you know, we were doing live services and all of that. And, um, you know, we, we eventually realized, well, we, we miss each other. So why don't we just keep doing the zoom thing? That seems to work really well. And so we've done everything we can to just relate to each other, to stay, to stay relationally connected in the midst of one of the most disconnecting, disconcerting seasons that we've ever experienced together. And so, um, you know, people are holding a lot of stuff. There's depression, there's anxieties about what the next steps look like. There's folks who have had to deal with job situations that have shifted or been lost, relationship stuff. I mean, it, it's all of the normal, and I use air quotes around normal, the normal kinds of stresses 
but then amplified by the last year or so. And so, um, you know, I get the opportunity to step into those spaces with uh, folks and and try to try to point them towards this Jesus who invites them to hold their pain and to be in the midst of what is real, but also give them hope that they can move through it with him. All right. I want to invite you to connect with Kurt Willems at Kurt Willems on Twitter. You can also find him and the book at echoinghope.com. If you're interested in entering the drawing for the copies I have to give away today, go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Kurt, thank you so much. Thanks for, you know, just being real and um, being willing to kind of roam around in subject matter. It's uh, we, we like to have real conversations. And so thanks for um, thanks for doing that today. Oh, it was honestly my pleasure. I'm really excited to uh, have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. Blessings, uh, blessings on the book. The book is Echoing Hope. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All righty. Um, it is already quite a day. Thank you for um, sharing a portion of it with me. Let me encourage you to share today's show with someone else. Um, you have an opportunity to be a missionary of this radio program. And maybe we've talked about something today that you just know would be meaningful um, in the life of somebody else. You can do that by sharing the podcast later today at MyFaithRadio.com. You can always share the Faith Radio app with your friends, um, colleagues. You can help them download it on their phone. Like, right, I had to do that the other day, help somebody download the Faith Radio app on their phone so that then they could listen to Mornings with Carmen, you know, frankly, anytime, uh, anytime that works for you. I just want to encourage you to uh, to engage in that. We're going to have Spring Share next week. I am looking forward um, to that and would ask you to help us grow the ministry by prayerfully considering this week um, what you want to sow into the ministry next week in order that we might produce a harvest of righteousness going forward to the glory of God. That's really what we are all about and love that you are a part of it with us. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.